I was at a, a food conference and I, I met an investor called Andrew Ive from Big Idea Ventures and I spent five minutes talking to him um, and a week later we were in New York with an extra $200,000 in funding and just didn't look back. On Daddy Linen this week, we are talking about the future and I thought it would be great to talk to someone who is grabbing the future with both hands, always trying to bite off a lot, but somehow she manages to chew it. Her name is Veronica Phil and I thought of you, Ronnie, because we talked to Hayley Raichura from Entervia Laundry the other day and her life was changed by her meal um, at Lume with Sean Quaid, your husband. Um, and I just thought, my goodness, we really need to find out what Ronnie and Sean are doing over in LA, changing the world with plant-based cheese. So how are you? I'm good today. <laughs> Look, overall, I think we've been unbelievably fortunate that we managed to like uproot our entire lives, leave everything behind in Australia and take a massive risk to start our business over here and get our visas granted one week before the COVID lockdowns hit, um, before we knew what exactly was ahead. So pretty narrow, yeah, narrowly scraped in. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. I feel like you're always doing incredible things. But if I think back to the last time I saw you, it was at um, your flat in Richmond and I was trying some of the prototypes of your vegan cheese. And it was it was pretty amazing. Like it's like a, a very domestic laboratory, um, just a, a very simple home kitchen, but there was some extraordinary stuff. It's a, it's a ghetto setup. Yeah. It was a bit of a ghetto <laughs> setup, but it was incredible. And I think it was, there was a, a Gruyere and um, there was a, 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 a white mole cheese, like a, a brie-style cheese, yeah. and there was some feta. And it was all pretty extraordinary and it was pretty much based on cauliflower, was it? Is it? Yeah, cauliflower. So it is pretty extraordinary and I'd love to take credit for it, but I've had nothing to do with the development of those recipes. It's all my partner, Sean, who's a, yeah an absolute wizard. <laughs> He is a wizard, but he wouldn't be doing what he's doing without you. Like you're an amazing team. You're, so I guess I met you through your role as a as a marketer, and you've got an incredible marketing brain. Um, yeah, you're just a really I don't know. You just think of think about things sideways, upside down, and you know, all every way inside out. Uh, so I I think you're yeah you're you're just a powerful duo. So um, tell me. There's so much that we need to talk about, but I think let's just set the scene for people who don't know anything about you guys. Tell us about the restaurant that you had in South Melbourne and how you came to be doing what you're doing now. Okay, so Sean and I met in 2015 on a dating app one week before his restaurant, Lume, opened. Um, and God knows how he had time to be on Tinder or anything else one week before your restaurant opens, but we hit it off um, and then just decided immediately that we even needed to work together or get married or we just ended up doing both. Um, and I guess that was just the, the start of an excellent business partnership and relationship. Um, but, yeah, I just, I guess um, in the, after about six months of the restaurant being open, I was brought into the team just to work more from a, a marketing and business strategy perspective. We um, had put pre-ticketed dining in place. Um, 
the media generally disliked us, but we were really, really, like, we had so many diners from overseas coming in. There was a, a point where I think it was like 80% of our diners were coming from overseas. So we were clearly doing something right, but I don't think that the Australian market liked us that much, like, on the whole. I'm, I'm sure we had our fans, including yourself, Danny. I'm sure you're absolutely adored us <laughs> um well I definitely I mean it was always an experience to go to Lume and I mean you know the rest the restaurant's still there under new ownership or under with new people new people running it but um yeah I mean I think it was but we're pretty wild and crazy pretty wild and crazy (laughs) like it was always an art experience as much as it was a food experience and you know it was even from the time that you make a booking like you're sort of in the experience so I think you'd be asked some kind of kooky question like I don't know what what kind of planet would you design yourself design to live on or so I don't know it, it wasn't it wasn't that but it was tangential kind of questions do you know as well that those questions actually came off the okay cupid dating app questionnaire that we amazing had met each other on so they I have to also say, like, we have to give some credit to the algorithms that brought you two together because you're both such particular people. It almost—it seems like, like, what a crazy thing that you were both on the app at the same time. And I mean, I'm not surprised you matched. It's it's a credit to the questions that you guys matched. We we I don't know if you've ever been or any of the listeners have ever been on OKCupid, but you get a percentage matching, and we matched at ninety nine point nine percent. So I just, I guess we figured we had to meet each other in real life and yeah, just took it from there. But yes, we absolutely had a very wild and crazy restaurant. We're very, we've always been very, very interested in exploring the dining experience through senses other than taste alone. So how can we enhance that and incorporate, you know, sight, smell, touch, all of the other factors that go into the overarching sensory act of eating um, and so that's what we were trying to build through Lume. But because we had so much interest from overseas and not necessarily domestically, we started looking to other markets to expand. So we were thinking of opening up a second venue in Los Angeles. Um, and in the, in the process of pitching that restaurant to investors, I'd actually included a little side revenue channel in our, our deck that Sean was handing out to investors and that revenue channel was just to commercialise some of his plant-based recipes, the cheese in particular, just because it was a very unique recipe. I knew that there was a big market for it and no one had done it before. So I thought, well, you know, hospitality is notoriously a bit of a, a shaky industry to be in at the time. Um, it's a good thing just to have there as backup. Uh, but in every conversation that we had with investors, they just wanted to hear about the cheese. They didn't care at all about the restaurant as soon as they saw the cheese concept. Uh, and when one of them offered us $2 million, $2 million just to buy the recipe, um, that's when we knew that maybe we should think about this a bit more seriously <laughs> and put together a more comprehensive business strategy. So that's what I went away and did. Um, I put together a business proposal. I applied for the Mars Seeds of Change Accelerator program. It's like a startup accelerator. Uh, We got into that straight away and that just really gave us a little bit of equity-free funding and mentorship and guidance to get us on on our way to pivoting, I guess, from hospitality into a different area of the food industry. 
It's so interesting. So the the cheese um, started as part of Lume's vegan menu, right? Where it was something that you'd had you'd have at the end of the meal, and it was that real gotcha moment. It's like you know, it, it's like it's it's the you can't believe it's not butter moment, isn't it? Where uh, cheese lovers were fooled. It's that was a different one. So I think at the restaurant, Sean was doing a completely different style of. He was actually making cheese from potato. Um, so we, he actually was at home in the background, you know, in our ghetto kitchen experimenting with all these different types of vegetables and just trying to find ways, I think, to tick the boxes and make it free from as many allergens as possible just to make it easy to put on a menu at a, at a restaurant or, like, for the chefs to do without, you know, triggering one of the zillion dietary requirements that people have when they come in so it had to be free from nuts free from soy free from gluten free from dairy you know ticking all of the boxes um and he just had it in the fridge at home I was just gobbling it up because it was in with all of the other cheeses in our fridge and it was it was there for months and I just kept eating all of his experiments never realizing that it wasn't real dairy I just thought it was some wanky like artisan cheese from some farm he'd visited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I when I finally realised what is what it done, it just blew my mind. And I'm, you know, me being me being the economist in the family, I'm just kind of like, you don't understand what you've done. Like, I'm we're going to make this big. We have to make this big. <laughs> so when you um, realised that the the, the plant based cheese was going to be the next business tell me about what actually took you to the US because you moved over there really quickly uh, in the end didn't you yeah well we only actually started the company exactly one year ago Um, before that it was always still just like a a side hustle for me while Sean was focused on the next restaurant Uh, but it just look the way that we got here was one after many months of tears and me trying to convince him to give up the career that he'd spent you know 20 years building and building his profile for it's a big leap of faith to just trust your partner and give all of that up to double down on cheese (laughs) um but we I mean the opportunity we could both see it was just extraordinary there's so much heat in this space and this is pre-covid like the plant-based movement was just growing and growing and growing at such an exponential rate and that's only intensified due to COVID now I think and everyone's re-examining their diets and the way that our food supply chain is structured um, but it it all happened because we were in that mass seeds of change accelerator uh, a few weeks into that I was at a, a food conference and I, I met an investor it was actually at Global Table in Melbourne Oh, yeah, I saw yep. you there. Yes, yep. yes, yes. So I was there and that was the day when I, I met an investor called Andrew Ive from Big Idea Ventures and I spent five minutes talking to him um, and a week later we were in New York with an extra $200,000 in funding and just didn't look back. That is incredible. So what's happened since? <laughs> we, we packed our bags in hours. We're just <laughs> dogs in a suitcase. We're out. Yeah. <laughs> It's such an unusual opportunity to get that you just, like, we, there's no question, you just take it and work out the rest later. <laughs> well, you certainly, as you said, landed in the US in, uh, you know, on the cusp of a very interesting time in our history. Uh, so tell me what it's been like to be in New York and now LA through COVID. 
yeah, it's just we really – I feel so lucky that we get to live such extreme and exciting lives because what an incredible moment in history to actually be in Manhattan, like the epicentre of the world, when that's in peak outbreak. Um, and we we didn't get sick. Um, we kind of left Manhattan – because we could see the lockdowns just intensifying and we were pretty much worried that we'd never get this business off the ground if we got trapped in New York. So we <laughs> jetted off to LA where our manufacturing facility is so at least we could keep the business running in stealth mode. Uh, but it's it's still a pretty, I think, just like Victoria, it's a pretty weird time to be around. We haven't been out in months, not since March. The biggest excursion I've had lately was hospital last week and as I was just saying before the recording started Danny it's um it makes me really annoyed when I see all of the Facebook deniers like talking about how the hospitals are empty and it's all a, a conspiracy and propaganda and everything because I can tell you that I waited for eight hours in an ER department with a massive hole in my leg wailing in pain and they actually couldn't take me in because they were so overrun with COVID patients and emergencies that I, it couldn't even get in that night. I had to come back the next day. So tell me about the massive hole in your leg. It's just a casual bit of flesh-eating virus. It happens every now and then. Like, <laughs> it's, I've, I've got a whole stack of autoimmune conditions and diabetes. So every now and then, like if I get an infection, and with stress and everything around it, it can really take over quite quickly and get into the bloodstream. So it's a bit of an emergency. And normally, I think in Australia, like I would have been straight into an emergency department. But yeah, that's how bad it is over here that they, as much as they wanted to, they couldn't even take me into the ER because there was so many, so many emergencies that just the sheer mass of it was quite, quite unreal. I mean, that must be pretty scary, Ronnie, because you've, as you say, you've got some autoimmune uh, stuff that you're already dealing with. So I guess COVID is something that you need to be pretty worried about. Uh, how have you been feeling about that side of it? I was a bit nervous straight away, especially in Manhattan, because I've got, you know, I, I guess I'd be in that high risk category with diabetes and lupus and I've got one lung. So it's like, okay, that's kind of ticking all of the boxes for... <laughs> forgetting it um but I yeah neither Sean or myself have felt any any symptoms of it um I guess it just from what I've seen we've been around a lot of people that have been very sick um so I've seen it myself and I think it is just a very very unusual virus that manifests in different ways with different people I've just been particularly lucky <laughs> Yeah, you need to not get it. And this, um, the the first question that I asked in this podcast were words I never thought I'd string together. What that was, tell me about the massive hole in your leg. And the second question that I, then the second words I didn't think I'd ask was, tell us how come you've only got one lung? Uh, just from the autoimmune stuff, collapsed lung. Nothing exciting. Just <laughs> right. But you need you need to have a a corona free only lung then so you need to yeah you need to stay inside and stay safe and it's so that's so crazy that the your outing was to hospital yeah. where of course you're in the epicenter of disease and that they um, couldn't even look after you as swiftly as as you needed to be looked after so it's um yeah, it's, it's a thing that it's 
it's definitely out there and people are very sick. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So in the meantime, while you, you, yeah, coping with all of that, how is the business progressing? Well, Sean has been a fantastic husband and managed to bring me in all of my devices so that as soon as I was out of surgery, I could still keep up with my Zoom calls. <laughs> I was, you just have to keep bossing it. Like when you're the founder of the business, there is no one there to like to take over and jump in instead of you. You're the only person that, that can do it. And I'm sure you know what it feels like, Danny, in, in terms of freelancing or, you know, in terms of hospitality owners they know exactly what it's like there is no real day off like you can't just chuck a sickie when it's your own business um so you just have to work around it and fortunately I've kind of worked remotely all of my life so when COVID hit it's like oh cool it's just business as usual for me I've been building up to this all my life (laughs) yeah right and so as far as the cheese goes and you said you've got a factory so you're in production and where Mm. is the cheese ending up so we have a we're using a co-manufacturer just based in Los Angeles near where we are now Uh, we go into production in November with the first three of our products Uh, it's look I think it's been a pretty sluggish period trying to launch a business mid-COVID just because you can imagine the complexities of supply chains and regulations and certifications and licences. There's just so many pieces of the puzzle and things that you need to get ticked off. And when there's a global pandemic happening at the same time, it's all 10 times slower. But it's the same. I guess everyone's in the same boat at the moment. And I just feel like we've been extraordinarily lucky that we took this opportunity that we we took this opportunity when we did and managed to scrape through and be in a position where not only do we have jobs but we can now give other people jobs um, and not have to go through a lot of the heartache that people are experiencing right now due to COVID. Mm, Yeah well, so many people that you know are here in Australia and here in Melbourne where we're under a pretty severe lockdown and restaurants yeah. are not going to be able to open for many weeks. Uh, what yeah. kinds of things would you say to people who are in that situation, who are trying to work out whether it's how to get an edge with their takeaway business or how to position themselves to come out and thrive on the other side of this? In all honesty, I'd say... To think, like, go back to how you were doing beforehand, before before COVID hit, how comfortable were you with the sustainability of your business model? Um, because I think, as we all know, like, it's really, all of this happening has shown some unreal, like, weaknesses in the infrastructure of the hospitality industry. Um, they were already there. It was very, very weak. We were at an absolute tipping point and it didn't take much to just collapse the whole industry, sadly. Um, But with that brings opportunity, I think. Uh, This is the one time, I guess, that we are going to have in our lifetime. Like, I've never seen anything like this happen before at an economic level and, like, at a global level. But it's, like, the one opportunity that we all have to reevaluate what you're doing. If you're not happy with any aspect of your life or your work... Like, this is the one time where it's completely okay to take a moment to sit back because we can't go anywhere, we can't really sell anything, um, to sit back and find a different way that 
makes you feel a lot happier in life. That's, I guess that's how we did it. We just didn't want to wake up in the morning dreading going to work. Um, I didn't want Sean to be working 100 hours a week in a little hot kitchen when he's 50 years old and, you know, damaging his back and stuff. Like I didn't want that to be the rest of our lives. Uh, so for us, I just tried to think of how can we use our skill set in a, in a different way to do something a bit more meaningful with, I guess, a, a broader global impact. Um, and it was for me to com- commercialise Sean's skills as a wizard chef uh, and, yeah, I guess convert them into instead of creating whimsy and trickery in a fine dining setting, we, I thought how can we apply that to, like, if you can trick people into eating things that they're not eating, how can we maybe use that to create plant-based food so that people don't miss real dairy or etc. So that's the way that I thought through it. But I, I really believe that this is such an amazing time for people to take a moment and reevaluate what they're doing. And like, if they weren't necessarily happy in the restaurant industry before or their business didn't feel that, you know, if it was feeling a bit too hard to do stuff, then take that as a sign there's like other ways to fulfill that creative spirit and energy and love of the food and hospitality industry it's just a matter of pivoting it to the new world Mm. so I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who are thinking yeah it's time to reevaluate. but there'll be other people thinking no I am a restaurant person this is what I do and and you know this is this is where where I find my satisfaction you know I want to I want to feed people. I want to look after them. What kind of hospitality landscape do you see um, post-COVID? Well, this is the other side of the argument because even though the situation is dire right now, if you did have that passion and I guess the money to open a restaurant, this would actually be a pretty awesome time to, to start thinking about investing in that if it's in a strategic way where, you know, obviously you're equipped to be flexible and deal with government policy changes because we, we know that they can be pretty flippant. Um, but, like, rents are super low, interest rates are seriously low. There's a huge glut of employees out there that are desperate to work. So all of these incredible staff members um, from, you know, and experienced staff members from the fine dining industry that suddenly don't have their jobs anymore, they've got to go somewhere. Um there's just a, a lot of reasons why it would actually be a pretty good time if you're dead set on opening a restaurant to start thinking about it now. That's my that's my opinion of it. But I, I think there's a few essential things. Like you, I think that the world will never go back to the way that it was formerly. So a lot of people have got used to, uh, for instance, online ordering, takeaway, all of that. Um, a certain, you know, I'm sure as soon as the lockdowns ease again and everyone would like run outside again, just desperate for anything other than bloody sourdough um, made at home. Um, but that'll that'll ease down again. Uh, I think a certain percentage of people will probably just be used to online ordering, and that extends to even retail. Like we're creatures of habit. Um, I know I'm definitely not going back to supermarket shopping anytime soon because it's just so convenient to order stuff online. So I think we'll see that with takeaway and delivery as well I do urge everyone as I'm sure as I'm sure you've said many times Danny please don't use uber um, if you yeah if you want to support small restaurants 
just order directly from them, please, please, please. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's, definitely. I, I can't believe we're still having that conversation about it. But, yeah, I think because everyone jumped on those apps with COVID, it just blew it all up, which is a good thing. And now finally it's been exposed. So that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, I think people have real. Well, hopefully, more people have realised that they to support their local businesses they actually need to spend directly with their local businesses. So I, I'm sure that in you know in large part that that will continue. But at the same time, I, I guess a lot of restaurants, through necessity, have become much more digitally savvy. Um, I mean, if we think back to to Lume, you were doing ticketed dining years ago, so you would certainly had um yeah had some innovative ideas that you know I'm sure will be become more mainstream as people climb back out of this hole what about from a from a consumer point of view like you're a um you're a keen watcher of um I guess you're a behavioral economist you watch how people spend and how they how they want to dine like for those people who do go out to eat what do you think what kind of experiences do you think that that they'll be looking for what will they appreciate what sort of what opportunities are there for people to serve serve those diners well judging by the research that's been coming through what's really alarming to me is the extreme difference between audience segments so the millennial set have wildly different expectations and wants than Gen Zs. Uh, I find for the, the Gen Z sector, it's all about convenience. So massive shift towards quick service restaurants, just fast, casual dining, um, a lot more interest around plant-based, obviously, at the moment. And I think that's going to accelerate, at least in the US right now, it's actually difficult to find a menu that's not half plant-based even when I was in hospital last week the hospital menu at UCLA was plant-based um that's amazing it's it's actually quite incredible it it, I couldn't believe how much things have progressed from yeah the soggy old you know frozen peas and and mash that you'd get in hospital 10 years ago (laughs) um but that Definitely for that younger younger generation, I, we're seeing a lot of kind of solo dining experience in that generational set. So eating alone, um, eating while they're attached to their screens, a lot of takeaway. Uh, and that, what's interesting is that it's completely the opposite with the millennial market. Um, millennials have always been, like they were those real Instagram leaders that started photographing their avocado toast and spending hours and putting spotlights on it and everything Um, and they're very much I guess still higher higher level of spending patterns um, eat more in groups more focused on the sustainability of foods uh, less so much on being vegan as Gen Z's so just these really interesting um, yeah just characteristics of the generation's side by side but still so opposite yeah well it's interesting that um concerns around sustainability and vegan being vegan don't necessarily match up that it's i guess that's more vegan as a life as a lifestyle totally uh, i think something that's the way that we design, designed our cheese company grounded was that it would always be focused around having these independent and local supply chains because one it's just smart economics it, it 
it makes me nervous thinking that we would potentially be getting ingredients from the other side of the world because, you know, a, a pandemic like this hits and the whole supply chain goes down if there's just one weak link. So for us, our products are like made in California, all the ingredients are, you know, come from California. 90% of cauliflower is grown in California. So that just makes complete sense. Um, but then that's not necessarily what vegan brands are about because a lot of them, you know, I guess, sorry about the dog in the background. Um, a lot of them are more just catering to, I guess, there's still a market for junk food as well, right? So it's just because it's vegan doesn't mean that it's either sustainable or healthy. Um, and that's okay. Like there's a there's space for everyone in the market. Um, there's always going to be space for junk food. There's always going to be space for healthier options. Um, I do think that plant-based is something that if people are still calling that a trend, then they need to get their heads checked because when you have this much this much hype and I guess VCs just clambering over each other to throw millions of dollars into plant-based companies in this space, then that's no longer a trend. Like that's happening. That's well and truly established. Mm. Interesting. So there's also a little bit of an election coming up where you are for the US president. How are you feeling as a, as a watcher of politics, watching that all play out over the next few months? Oh, we don't even watch it. <laughs> it's, it it's really, it's so, it's pretty bizarre. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I think if you ask... Just wait and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it, I think any time we ask, I mean, we can't vote, so we... We can't comment much about it. It's not, yeah, not our election to vote in. But any time we ask US citizens about it or ask their opinions, you just you generally get an eye roll or also apologies <laughs> sometimes about, you know, like there's a lot of great things about the US and we love it here, but we do get a lot of apologies about that situation. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to say anything because I don't want our visas to suddenly be cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I'm sure. I'm sure many US politicians listen avidly to this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll play it safe. Um, Ronnie, it's always so interesting to talk to you, and I really, uh, really appreciate the opportunity to check in with you. I'm glad we caught you on the. Um, the other side of the hospital visit and that you're in in good health and with so much promising activity on the horizon really wish you all the best with grounded and cannot wait to continue watching your incredible journey thank you thank you danny absolute delight to speak to you from the other side of the world <laughs> stay safe bye-bye this is dirty linen and i'm danny valent we air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.